on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio, 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome, Utica, Utica, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board as always. Hey, you can listen on the ESPN app, and especially on a day like today. Uh, do not pinch yourself. You are not dreaming. It is 75 degrees. It is mostly sunny. Various parts of central New York where you're listening to me right now. But if you are listening on the app and other locales around the great land of ours, I can tell you that finally spring has arrived in central New York and maybe here to stay a bit. It snowed two days ago. It's currently 75 degrees and sunny. Shh, maybe if we don't talk about it, it'll hang around for a while. But I just kind of did. So sorry about that. I think I just jinxed us. But the point is. You're outside now. You get to mow the lawn. You get to be walking the dog and going to your kids' games, and you don't have to huddle up in five layers to do it, right? You are out and about and finally outside doing those things, and you can take us with you wherever you go. The ESPN app is something you download on your phone. There's a Listen tab on the app, and you find ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Radio Utica Rome, and off you go. Away you go. Do your thing, and we'll do it with you. Here's how you get in touch with the program today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter, or the On the Block text line is 288-0644. We have two guests that will join us today. Coming up this hour, we caught up with them before the Crunch Amherst series, and we will do the same here today before the Crunch Marley series gets underway Thursday night in Toronto. And that is Syracuse Crunch defenseman, Reed McNeil had a little fun with Reed last time he was on the show, including informing him what the number one song in the country was the day he was born. We'll have to come up with some other historical fact to remind him of today, I guess. But we'll talk Crunch and Marley's and what that series will be, what they anticipate from what was one of the better teams in the American Hockey League this year. Kind of a bummer that the Crunch don't play the Comets because that would have been epic. But the Crunch Marley's, that'll be pretty darn good. He's a defenseman, so he can give us a perspective on the Marlies being one of the better defensive teams in the AHL and what the Crunch will be up against. So Reed McNeil, Syracuse Crunch defenseman, will join us here in about 15 minutes. In the next hour of the show, we call him the Swiss Army Knife of Syracuse.com. My boy, Lindsey Kramer, will come on. He certainly can talk Syracuse Crunch with us. He can talk Syracuse lacrosse with us. We had a very passionate Syracuse lacrosse discussion on the show yesterday. 
It was right about this time. The phone call came in, and the suggestion was made that Mike Masser take over for John Desco, and, well, you can imagine where things went from there. Lindsay on the beat there, uh, reading some things and talking to Lindsay a little bit today. The Syracuse lacrosse team's NCAA tournament lives may be more positive, may be something that were, how can I put this? They appear to be in should they beat Colgate because of their RPI, the measurables look good. The thing is, though, they've got to beat Colgate on Saturday, and I think they will, but nothing is a given with this team. So we'll kind of get the current state of affairs, go through the RPI, the bubble talk, if that's even a thing. And as this team kind of heads down the home stretch, what to anticipate, what you will not anticipate is a home game on graduation day, which is one of those things you used to kind of set your watch by as a Syracuse lacrosse fan. That's probably not going to be the case this year. So Lindsay can tell us about that, anything cooking with the Syracuse Chiefs and Lindsay writes a bunch about high school sports as well. Like I told you, he's a Swiss Army knife. He's just a a variety of topics we can cover with him. We'll do hot takes as usual. And whatever hijinks and tomfoolery come our way today. I heard that there was a, I could not make it. I was uh, otherwise occupied. But there was some sort of basketball practice over at the Metal Center today for uh, Team Galaxy for the upcoming tournament that we're going to be a part of that I am playing in. See, I didn't try out. I don't try out. I just make the team. I'm like, I just show up, right? <laughs> you want me to try out? What, what kind of nonsense is this? No, no, no. I don't try out. You want me to play, I play. I'm not going to try out that stuff. Turnaround Jumpers is the great tournament coming up for the Salvation Army next month. I'll play. I'll be there. Axe has game, but you, <laughs> you want me to try out? So we sent Seth and a bunch of other people to get embarrassed by Eric Devendorf, apparently. So uh, maybe we'll have some stories to come out of that. Speaking of basketball, I did want to jump in that pool a little bit today. And listen, there are times when I come on this radio show and I do things and I have no idea how they're going to go. That's the beauty of it. you got to keep it on your toes. I mean, yes, we prepare and there's segments we do. And you've got to, you know, know what you're talking about and structure radio shows. And then there's just some days where I like to just kind of lean on you a little bit. Yesterday was one of those days, by the way. I had no idea that that show was going to go in the direction that it did. And sometimes you jump in the stream and you go where the stream takes you. And the stream took us down a road yesterday, a variety of paths. We talked lacrosse. We talked Yankee baseball. We recapped the weekend, NFL draft. We just had a, a, a lot of things that were on your mind. The callers drove the show yesterday which is great. That may happen today. It may be more of a Twitter thing. It may be more of a text line thing. And a reminder on how to get in touch. The phone number is 437-7644. The Twitter is Brent Axe Media. And our text line is 2880644. So I was looking at this before I went on the air today. And I think it's fascinating given where we're at in this sense. So I believe, let me give proper credit here. I believe this was Waters, but I want to give a proper credit here. So there was an article on Syracuse.com today about how there's still certain slots to be filled in the Syracuse basketball non-conference schedule, right? So they have, it was Mike Waters. So Syracuse has technically, as Mike writes here, Syracuse will play 13 non-conference games in the upcoming 2018-19 season. And at this point, there is just one definite opponent. And that definite opponent scheduled is Georgetown, right? So we know this. But when you go through process of elimination, 
and things we also know are coming, the list starts to dwindle a little bit. So I'll just go through that with you briefly here. Syracuse is going to play, we know, in the 2K Classic with Oregon, Connecticut, and Iowa. Semifinals and finals are at Madison Square Garden. So check that off the list. Syracuse will play at MSG as they find a way to do every year as they should find a way to do every year. We don't know who Syracuse will play that day, but it's going to be a mixture of those teams. Okay. We know that Syracuse will play in the regional round of the 2K Classic. Teams like Eastern Washington, Moorhead State, Missouri, Kansas City, Green Bay. So in that group, Syracuse is going to get some teams to come in. All right, so check that box. You know they're going to play Colgate and Cornell. It happens every year. You can bank on it. So check them off the list. And that number starts to dwindle here. Syracuse will play in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So now we're up to six slots. Last year, a home game against Maryland and an important win over Maryland. Syracuse will likely go on the road this year. We'll see how the matchups slate out. That's usually later this month or early June. So we'll know what the matchup will be in the ACC Big Ten Challenge soon. Okay. Let's go down the list a little bit more here. So we know Georgetown, Cornell, Colgate, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Two from amongst Oregon, UConn, and Iowa. Now, UConn is that natural old Big East rival, great rivalry game to schedule, but you can't schedule it this year normally because of the tournament. I mean, you would think that's what the game's going to be, but we don't know yet. Two teams from amongst Eastern Washington, Moorhead State, Green Bay, and UMKC. So that's five dates to fill. And as Mike points out here, and it's an important point to make, how scheduling has become critical particularly for a team that has resided on the bubble more often than not in recent years. Now we have the quadrant system in place, which don't make me go through the quadrant system again, but you know higher the number in the quadrant system, which is still based off the RPI, better the RPI of your non-conference opponents, the better it is for you, right? As Mike notes here, last year Syracuse's non-conference strength of schedule was rated the 10th best in the country by the NCAA, that metric helping the Orange sneak into the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed. They're off and running. They beat Arizona State. They beat TCU. They beat Michigan State. Sweet 16, eventually, of course, losing to Duke. Syracuse's non-conference schedule last year included good, not only RPI games, as Mike points out here, but good, meaty regional games. That makes sense that Syracuse should play if it checks both boxes. Regional games, fans from Western New York coming in, and all your RPI and your strength of schedule and all the boxes you need to check these days pan out, then great. And those two teams, of course, were St. Bonaventure and Buffalo. Of the five slots left, I would hope that one or both of those teams will be scheduled again. Now, we'll have to see how RPI plays out and everything, but Syracuse played Buffalo and beat Buffalo. And Buffalo, remember, became everybody's darling at the end of the year. A team that was either in or around a top 30 RPI, therefore a quadrant one win. Remember how we were banging on that drum. Quadrant one wins, baby. Need those quadrant one wins. Buffalo in December turned out to be a highly rated quadrant game. For Syracuse, whether it turned to a one or a two or wherever it ended up, because quadrants can move up and down, as you well know. 
of all things, that turned out to be important. Non-conference play has turned out to be downright critical, and it's not just play, it's scheduling. Syracuse also played Iona, who was coming off an NCAA tournament bit a year ago, and Eastern Michigan, which is always a great matchup because of the Rob Murphy factor, who were also in the Ken Pomeroy Top 150. So it is with that that we try and pare it down to five. And it is that where I kind of turn to you. And I say, if there's five spots here, and we can really narrow it down to, if you're not in the RPI slash Ken Palm slash whatever measurable you want to bring up here, top 150, short of Colgate or Cornell and and the obligatory game you've got to play schedule-wise in the 2K Classic, you are not going to get a phone call. So who gets the call? Who are the schools that Syracuse will reach out to to schedule and should schedule? Now, you can't load up the entire non-conference slate, given the teams I already mentioned, with, say, last year they played in the Hoopal Classic and played Kansas. Usually when you end up playing a top-flight blue-chip program in non-conference play, because I threw this out on Twitter earlier, and naturally, you know, I got a number of responses, but, you know, people said, Kentucky. Well, you're not going to play Kentucky just out, hey, John Calipari, you want to play? I, I don't see that phone call taking place. It'd be great if it did, because go big or go home. But that's usually, like, ESPN has some sort of branded tournament. Like, every year, Duke, Michigan State, Kentucky, and, and like, another Kansas, usually, right, starts the year in Chicago. Unless you're in that sort of thing, Syracuse and Kentucky just aren't going to cross paths. Villanova is a very interesting team to bring in that conversation because they're obviously a Final Four National Championship caliber program the past couple of years. Jay Wright's a colorful personality. Jay Wright versus Bayheim, and Villanova is an old Big East rival. So do you put them in the conversation? Do you go a little bit further down the list? Good teams that would provide Syracuse Quadrant 1 wins in their back pocket or the opportunity for Quadrant 1 or Quadrant 2 wins in their back pocket, but they're not you know 290 in the RPI, and they're interesting games. That's what made last year's non-conference slate not only important but interesting because you just went from game to game where it mattered. Georgetown, UConn, Buffalo, St. Bonaventure, there's always a few games in there where you're like, nah, that's just the way it's going to go. But scheduling has become critical. And if there's five spots to fill, who's Syracuse calling, who should they call? Now, it's not a football schedule. It's Every game is not going to satisfy that big game quotient. But last year was darn near perfect. The measurables worked. The number of quadrant opportunities that came out of that. The interesting games regionally. I remember when the schedule farmed out and, and we were going over it when it came out, usually like in mid-August, right? I said, man, this is the perfect schedule. Opportunities are there for quality wins, interesting regional games. So the goal was to kind of get back there. And as Mike went through the process of elimination there, you know where some of those slots are going to be filled. But where can they go to fill those five spots that are left? So that's where I leave it to you. Twitter's a great way to participate in this. Brent Dax Media, the text line, 288-0644. Go through the top 150. Go through the Ken Palm ratings. Go up and down the list. Who makes sense? Who do you want to see Syracuse play? and not conference play, and who should they play given the state of college basketball we're in today. So we'll think about that a little bit. 
You guys look it up. Do your research. Think of some great matchups. Send me it, and we'll come back to it because we got to take a break and get to a guest coming up. Reed McNeil, Syracuse Crunch defenseman, joins us next. What will the Toronto Marlies present for the Crunch in this upcoming Calder Cup playoff series? Well, one thing certainly is defense. We'll get into that, what the Crunch are up against next. You're on the block. ESPN Radio on this gorgeous May Day. Hang in there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Happy Tuesday. A little cloudy uh, from the weather window here, downtown Syracuse, but come on, it's 75 out. It's gorgeous. Saw so many people finally sitting outside. So get that ESPN app and listen wherever you are. Take us with you because it's a beautiful thing. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, though, because you want to catch up on old shows and listen on your time, right? So if you miss our shows, the best way to keep up via podcast is this. Go to iTunes or Google Play and punch in ESPN Syracuse, hit that subscribe button, and that's all you got to do. We will have our shows delivered right to your smart device so you can listen on your time. It's a beautiful thing. Hit me with that fancy open. Let's hot take this thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Getting some great responses, by the way, trying to round out that Syracuse basketball non-conference schedule. We will uh, certainly... Come back to that text line at 2880644 or my Twitter, Brent Axe Media. Great ways to give us your responses to that. But how about your Boston Celtics, kids? Now, can they play that well for three more games? That is the question. No one could guard Al Horford. Terry Rogier is just killing it. Here's uh, Eric Bledsoe talking about him, by the way. Oh, sorry, I got to hit the right button. There we go. Missed the playoffs. What you, what you expect us to be out there shaking hands, giving out hugs the whole time? It don't happen. Um, <laughs> you know, he he had a hell of a series, man. I got to take my head out to him. Boom shakalaka. I love it. By the way, uh, Rozier shows up in a Drew Bledsoe jersey yesterday, which is just spectacular. Uh, the latest jab, by the way, at uh, Bledsoe after the two had uh, repeated dust-ups in the opening round of the playoffs. So, uh, not an homage to Drew Bledsoe, more of a shot at Eric Bledsoe, but still fantastic. Does he go with the road Drew Bledsoe, uh, Drew Bledsoe jersey? Pardon me for game two. We'll have to see about that. There's plenty of Drew Bledsoe jerseys around. Does he go to the Buffalo Bills, then the Dallas Cowboys Drew Bledsoe? I mean, we got a lot of possibilities here. But here's the thing with the Celtics that really jumps out to me more than anything. And again, I, I asked this question, can they play this well for three more games? And I think they can because of this. They've got the best coach in the NBA right now. And I understand the name Greg Popovich. And I understand some other names out there that you can throw at me. But if you're telling me, and Steve Kerr's on that list, of course. But if you're telling me, I get a coach who I know I'm going to have for the next 10, 15 years, knows the game, relates to players, and this is the most important word in this, coachable. He's a coachable coach in the sense that you'll listen to him. He makes players coachable. There is no question that is Brad Stevens. 
with the Boston Celtics. They listen to this guy. They respond to this guy. The way that he moves the pieces around. Look, we know they didn't have Gordon Hayward. They have him all year. They don't have Kyrie Irving. They didn't even have Brown last night. They don't have anybody. Yet they're going out there, and it's it's cliche, but it's true. It's next man up. And Al Horford can't miss, and it's just... You watch this Celtics team every night, and even if they can't play as well as they did, and they're great at home, so they've got to do this in Philly. We know how, I mean, and the thing is, I'm watching the Sixers last night. I'm watching Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and these guys. They're doing what they need to do, but the Celtics just had an answer for everything. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, look, if you're the Celtics at this point, you are essentially playing with house money. Because you weren't expected to do squat without those names that I mentioned and for some other reasons. But when you've got that good of a coach who can break it down and break down an opponent as well as anybody, the way they just, how unselfish they play, the way they move the ball, when you got Horford shooting the way he is, Rozier showing up, whatever jersey he is, this. And Boston, and uh, who was it last night? Oh, it was, it was uh, TNT. And Ernie Johnson is just going through the history of the Sixers and Celtics, and I like we kind of know this, but when somebody reinforces it to you, I mean, he made a Dolph Shays reference going back to the 50s when the Syracuse Nationals played the Celtics and went through the years, Larry against Dr. J, and all the names that have played in this series right through here. Now you have Philly, kind of the next big thing, but the Celtics are like, you got to go through us. And even the most diehard Celtics fan at this point has to be like, wait a minute. How are we doing this? With Now imagine they have Gordon Hayward. Now imagine they have Kyrie Irving next season. How is Boston-Philly not going to be a playoff series of some sort for the next five, six years, maybe even beyond that? We know how things go in the NBA these days, though, because guys come and go and dynasties are shorter, right? Kyrie Irving might change his mind and want to go somewhere else in three years. It's just the way it goes, but... If you're not watching that series and you're not watching the Celtics in particular, that's hot. That's a team that does everything right and is fun to root for. And I got the subplot of the jerseys and everything. It is great. Now, while we're on the NBA front here, uh, New York Knicks fans, I'm just going to throw some names at you and, and you tell me if any of these move the needle for you. Mike Brown, David Fisdale, David Blott, Mike Budenholzer. Mark Jackson, Juwan Howard, Jerry Stackhouse, Mike Woodson, Kenny Smith, right? The Knicks have not been in the postseason in five years. They are about to hire their 11th head coach since the 2001-02 series. And what we keep hearing are the same names. Assistant coaches, head coaches that have been fired now, some of those guys have caught on, like Mike Brown has been an, an incredible assistant with Golden State. So the natural thing to do is, well, who are some of the best teams in the league? Well, let's go interview their assistants, right? David Fisdale, a lot of people felt, got fired too early in Memphis. He's been a great analyst for ESPN. I don't know why David Blott is even on this list. Why, I mean, why even bother at this point? Mark Jackson, New York roots, New York guy. I understand why that comes up, but my point is, have the Knicks made an effort to find the next Brad Stevens? And I think there was some interest in getting Jay Wright to coach there, but you know you're not going to get Jay Wright. Do the Knicks need a retread? 
Do the Knicks need some assistant or some head coach or some guy that got fired three times somewhere else and spin the wheel and he's due to come back to New York? Or, and I know this is James Dolan running the show, so you always keep that in mind. Who is the Brad Stevens of college basketball? And I'm asking this rhetorically. Is There's got to be a guy out there instead of the same names that come up every time these jobs are up because that's what the Knicks have done. That's what the Knicks just did. They brought in Jeff Hornacek. How did that go? And there's circumstances there that, you know, Brad Stevens couldn't make the Knicks win with and Greg Popovich couldn't make the Knicks win with. But it's just I hear these names and it's just got to be like Charlie. And I'm not even a Knicks fan, but it's just got to be Charlie Brown's teacher. It's just the same old guys. Is there someone out there who cuts through the noise, who cuts through the normal, same, boring conversations we have this time of the year when jobs are available and say, wait a minute, take a shot on that guy? Because what you have done with Jeff Hornacek and all the names before that, when Mello was there, even when they had talent, for the most part are not working. Now, I don't think they tried to get Jeff Van Gundy to go back, but do you want to go down that road? I mean, it's... The Celtics, we, and they took a big shot because there was a lot of people like, how's the guy from Butler going to do in, in the NBA, let alone with one of the most storied franchises in the NBA? Well, we got our answer. And I know it's cliche to say go outside the box, but isn't it about time? That's hot. The Knicks do that? I mean, Mike Brown, okay. Go ahead. Hire Mike Brown or David Fisdale. You know, Fisdale is actually intriguing to me. I think he deserves another shot, but... It's just all the same names over and over again. We've been telling you to change gears to football a little bit, that the kickoff is going away in the National Football League. I just don't think it's going away this year. And there is a little bit of news on that, which came out today. Uh, Troy Vincent from the Players Association said today at the start of a two-day player safety summit that the NFL is not considering the elimination of the kickoff for the 2018 season. Vincent saying instead the league hopes to make substantive a, a substantive pardon me adjustments to alignment and format requirements in hopes of repairing what is by far the most dangerous play of the game. NFL data showed that concussions are five times more likely to occur on kickoffs this past season in 2017 than any other play. A statistical outlier even after years of rule changes designed to reduce returns and reduce concussions. In 2017, only 40% of kickoffs were even returned. A Packers president and Colgate alum, Mark Murphy, said in March that kickoffs are still too dangerous despite its reduction in frequency. He's a member of the competition committee and said it would be eliminated if it could not be made safer. Football, look. There's a lot of people complaining that football is too, how can I put this, um, soft, too snowflakey these days. It's football. In my day, we played this way, and it's a rough game. And if you play football, yeah, but when you have an outlier like that, and you know that five times more concussions take place during the kickoff, you can isolate it. You can say on this play, this is where a high number of our sport's biggest problem happened. Now, If I did the family feud test and I pulled 100 football fans and I simply asked the question, why do you watch football? How many of them would say, oh, man, I love the kickoff. Are you kidding me? When the kickoff happens, life stops, and I just can't wait. Now, there's probably a lot of Devin Hester fans out there, and 
people that, you know, there is a little bit of drama in the kickoff, particularly the opening kickoff of the game right before it starts and the flash bulbs go off and there's that moment of, here we go, right? After that, no one gives a crap about the kickoff. And once in a while, someone runs it back and there's a great moment there. I, I brought up Devin Hester. He started the Super Bowl with a kickoff return. The Bears still lost that game, but of all the great moments in your life as a football fan, how many of them involve the kickoff? If Just be honest with yourself. I have started to come to the feeling with the kickoff in football that I do fighting in hockey. If fighting in hockey went away tomorrow, I would not care. Because it's the same arguments. Well, it's it, come on, it's it's tradition. It's it's a, it's a rough game, and these things happen. And it's like if fighting went away tomorrow, it would not matter because it's already being kind of pushed out of the sport as it is for the same reason as the kickoff is. Because we can isolate. Well, people fighting each other not really a good thing. If they get hurt in the course of the game, that's one thing, and we're working to reduce that. But we're letting guys go out there and knock each other in the head. It's probably not a good thing. Right, And you hear about some of these enforcers and some of these players that did that for years, the goons, right, that have concussion issues, have mental health issues. And you're like, yeah, we probably don't need that anymore. You want to watch it, go pop in slap shot. It's the same thing with kickoffs in football. So only 40% of them get returned. And we can isolate and have statistical data that says five times more likely to get a concussion on that play. So why do we do it? And don't tell me because we've always done it. You're not going to take away the physicality of the sport. I'm not saying that, nor do I want to see that. There is a physical element of football that needs to remain. But do we really need the kickoff is all I'm asking. Now, what's the alternative to that? Just put the ball in the 20? Like, We'll have to figure that out, but I know I don't watch football for the kickoff. It could go away tomorrow, and I don't think anybody would really notice. That's hot. 437-7644 is the phone number. I'll tell you what, you want to use that phone number. Because we've got a cool giveaway that we're doing for this entire month. If you are caller, let's say caller 5, right now at 437-7644, guess what we're going to give you? You guys love free, right? How about a free haircut? From our friends at Sport Clips on Brewerton Road in Cicero, caller 5, you get a free haircut. Those places are great, man. You sit down, you get the haircut, they got the TVs everywhere, you can watch sports. You kidding me? Fantastic. Sport Clips, ESPN Radio Syracuse, given a free haircut to caller number five right now at 437-7644. And it's the uh, Sport Clips on Brewerton Road in Cicero. Back after this. Thank you. Bye-bye.